There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. I'm delighted to say this is the this week is the eighth anniversary of the show. Uh, we've been going now for a long time and, uh, and this is the 345th unique interview and uh, we have um, incredible, um, I'm pleased to say, the incredible uh, numbers of you have now been listening to the show. I think we've had over a 200% increase over the last year as well. Um, so I'm just completely honored that uh, you would listen to to these interviews and uh, I'm delighted to get the feedback that we receive and uh, always love to hear from you. So a big thank you for uh, those of you who listen in regularly. And if you love the show, do let other people know about it as well. And, and I've got a, an incredible guest we have again for you this week, uh, who I'm really excited uh, to introduce uh, you two uh, i'm sure i'm going to having two uh, young boys myself of nine and 13 i'm sure i'm going to get enormous value personally from this interview um uh, any help uh, and tips are always appreciated when bringing up uh, young people uh, to be successful so i'm going to introduce you to esther in a moment but before i do that i'd like to um, make say a big um, thank you to my guest uh, last week um, Brant um, Pinvidic uh, was an amazing person to talk to. Um, Brant had actually produced uh, over 300 films in Hollywood uh, and um, and dramas. Uh, he'd also um, been an award-winning film director, and he's the author of The Three-Minute Rule, which uh, is an incredible book about how to very effectively uh, pitch your ideas and and be successful with them in, in only three minutes. And uh, he was t- taking that process that he learned uh, to, um, to win over um, the... Uh, th- these amazing um, uh, TV shows and dramas and movies and uh, and get them through to uh, full sort of production. So a huge um, a huge thank you to Brandt and uh, I would recommend that book. It's brilliant. I've read it and I'm already applying this sort of information. I'd also like to just um, send a little message to um, the family of uh, Jonathan Fowle, if uh, anybody here knows him. Jonathan's been a guest on the show twice over the, over the duration. He was a really good friend, an incredible business person. Um, he had um, uh, something like 46 businesses he was uh, he was involved in and, and uh, had shares of. And very sadly, he, um, he, he, he died a couple of weeks ago just in tragic circumstances and um, falling off a cruise ship. Um, so I'm completely uh, gutted to hear that. He was only 37, uh, a hugely inspiring guy but the interviews with Jonathan Farl are in the in the archive so um, you know love to everybody who who kind of knows him and um, so on to raising successful people uh, my guest today is uh, Esther Wojcicki and uh, Esther is uh, famous for three things uh, teaching at a high school class um, uh, classes have literally changed the lives um, she has of thousands of kids um, she's also um, inspired Silicon Valley legends like Steve Jobs, and she's raised three incredible daughters who've become famously successful. 
Uh, and um, you know, what do these accomplishments have in common? They're the result of um, a process that Esther identifies in her uh, her book, uh, Raising Successful People, um, which she refers to a trick, which is trust, respect, independence, collaboration, and kindness. Uh, lessons from uh, an incredible career that she's had, and they they've resulted in um, uh, Esther being a leading educator and journalist and she's uh, the mother of youtube ceo susan wojcicki uh, fulbright scholar janet uh, wojcicki and 23andme founder um ann wojcicki um, as well as uh, being a teacher and mentor to james franco and lisa brennan jobs uh, she's wildly her- heralded across america for being this amazing parent and educator so a huge welcome uh, to uh, to Esther, and uh, we're going to talk about her, her incredible new book, How to Raise Successful People. And as I say, uh, personally, I'm really excited to see what I can learn from this, and I hope you can uh, learn lots as well uh, to help uh, develop your uh, young people in your lives, but also uh, your employees as well. So, huge welcome to Esther. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and honored to be interviewed. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you're very, very welcome, and lovely to talk to you. And, and, and I always like to you know, find out where people are. And I know you're, you're in a very beautiful part of the world uh, in Palo Alto. Is that, is that an area that you've been for many years? And I have been here for many years. I actually moved here in 1966. So you can say that that's been a long time and I've seen a lot of change. When we first moved here, this was very sort of pastoral rural area and now it's booming. So it's a big change, but it's exciting to be part of it. Well, it really feels like that that area. I've, I've only visited once, but it felt felt very vibrant and exciting then. And and you really kind of are in the hub of uh, you know a lot, a lot of what's going on there within the world of tech and uh, and, and education. Um, so it must be an amazing place to live. It is really it is amazing because first it's beautiful and it's centered around Stanford University and Stanford is growing and booming and doing really well and beautifying itself. The buildings are beautiful and the the drive up Palm Drive to the university is a beautiful drive. So it's just fun to be here and watch how great things are, are moving because sometimes, you know, sometimes things don't get better. They get different but um, and sometimes could be a little worse. So I'm, I'm happy to be here in this, in this area and to be a part of this expanding um, sort of entrepreneurism that's going on. And you, you said you, you came there in, in sort of 1966, but you know, where, where, were, you know, where were you brought up and, uh, and how did that inspire you to become this, this educator? Well, so I was, actually was born in New York City, grew up in Los Angeles in uh, the San Fernando Valley in a little town called Sunland, Tahunga, uh, which is in the northern part of the San Fernando Valley. And then... Um, my parents are Russian immigrants, and um, they came. My father and mother came to the U.S. in the 1930s, hoping for a better life. Unfortunately, they picked the 1930s, which was not so good, and um, you know the depression and then war and so forth. So they went to California from New York, you know, because the idea was go west, young man, because hopefully you're going to get a more exciting life and better life. And um, it was. I, I think it probably was better. I don't know because there was no way to compare. But my father was an artist, and art usually artists don't make a lot of money, and so we he didn't, and so we ended up you know without a lot of money. So I grew up in a somewhat impoverished environment, but at least it was in you know Southern California where it wasn't uh, snow 
There wasn't a lot of um, weather issues. And um, so, you know, but it was still, we still didn't have a lot. And so that was part of the issue. And then I went to school. I had a choice of, well, going to a local community college or going to uh, one school that I had put my eyes on, which was UC Berkeley. And um, I applied to that school, and fortunately I got in, and <laughs> off I went. Once That was back in those days. That was what you did, apply to one school, and then you hope you got in and you went. And um, so it, it was a very lucky choice because it's a great school. And how, how did you... And how did you do, you do that? Because I'm reading your, you know, a, a bit about you. you. You know, what I, what I sort of discovered was um, that, you know, it, as was fairly quite typical in those those times. You know, your 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 father was more encouraging with, um, you know, brother um, brothers rather than, you know, his daughter in terms of education. And um, and, and so, did you have to? Uh, but I sound like your mum was very encouraging. Did you have to, you know, was this 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 desire for education uh, within you? Um, was this very sort of self-driven? Did you have this this sort of motivation within you, or did somebody inspire you to step so up? So I, I I had an unfortunate um, incident, and you know this this was tragedy that happened when I was ten years old. Um, my mother, being a this she's Russian Jewish immigrant. Um, she didn't have a lot of background in what it was like to be an American and so forth. Everything in America seemed like it was great, shiny and wonderful and so forth. And so um, I had a, another brother. And um, when he was about 18 months old, he was playing on the kitchen floor with um, a lot of different things. And among them was a bottle of aspirin. And he opened up this bottle of aspirin that was in the days prior to having child safety caps on the bottle, on the medicines. And then he ate a lot of it. And um, my mother called the doctor and she said, you know, what should I do? And the doctor, clearly not listening to her, said, oh, just put him to bed and see how he'll be in a couple of hours. Well, that's not what you do with somebody that's ingested a poison. And so, but being, you know, the immigrant and always trusting people in authority, she followed his advice. And of course, in a couple of hours, he was violently ill. And then we went um, to the hospital, local community hospital, where they pumped his stomach, but he needed to be in a hospital and be cared for. And so we went from one hospital to another to try to get him accepted but they wouldn't accept him because we didn't have proof of payment. That was back in the in those days, in the 1950s, when you had to have proof of payment, or they wouldn't take you. Anyway, after the, he finally was accepted at the fourth hospital, but it was too late, and he died. Um, so what happened was that I realized that, um, and I, I didn't do it on a conscious level, it was sort of on a subconscious level, that I realized as a child, no matter what someone's title was, you had to be skeptical. You had to think for yourself. And for me, it was kind of like a life or death situation. You know, you had to check to make sure that what they were saying made sense. And, you know, as a 10-year-old, I realized, God, the only way that I could really be skeptical and check information was to be educated. 
So I created this, I got this passion to be educated. Actually, I spent a lot of time in the library. That was where, you know, I could go for free because, as I said, we didn't have a lot of money, but the libraries were free. So I spent a lot of time in the library reading. And as and then my I said to myself, I have to get out of this poverty situation. Um, you know, and the only way out, it was education. So I became very driven as a student. And fortunately, that's that's how I got into UC Berkeley because UC Berkeley isn't easy to get into. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was an A student, and I I was actually turned out to be the valid, valedictorian of the class, and um, and so that was my route out. But my father, the question you originally asked, you know, coming from an Orthodox Jewish family, the most important children in the family are the boys, and so I was discouraged. I'm going to school because what they wanted me to do was to get married and have children. And I was supposed to get married at 18 and I didn't want to get married. And so I had a big battle. In fact, the battle was so big that they uh, would not, uh, they, they, they cut me off financially. They're like, if you want to go to college, you're going to have to pay for it yourself. And I was driven so I paid for it myself, and um, I had a lot of jobs, including, you know, as a model, um, because that paid really well. I actually worked as an after-school um, program advisor or program for the for children on school play, play school playgrounds, um, and then I also worked as a um, part part-time sort of reporter for uh, a local newspaper. I wasn't really allowed to be a reporter, but I did a lot of reporting and helped them with the stories. I wrote a few stories. This went on for quite a while, for a few years. I started when I was about 14. Um, But, you know, I made it through, and that was all that mattered um, to me, you know, that I, I became, I knew how to do research. I knew how to find out about things. I knew how to be skeptical about any kind of information that was given to me about anything. But as I said, this was not on the conscious level because if you met me, you would not think that I was, you know, skeptical or I was going to check out and make sure that everything was fine. But, boy, I did that. And um, and then I got a degree at Berkeley, two degrees actually, <clears throat> English and political science, and then I got a master's degree in journalism. And then uh, there I was, off, and then I got married. Wow. I mean, it's, um, you know, I'm, just, I'm sort of sorry to hear that, that story. And it's a, it's, it's a, you know, a sad kind of situation. However, that situation, you know, within you, what it did, it's, uh, you know, it lit something in you, didn't it? Which has had now having a, you know, huge contribution to, you know, your, your work, but also the work of these, um, you know, your, your daughters and your, your family. Um, it's having a big impact on the world. Um, so, you know, it's well, positive at least some, you know, some amazing um, situations have occurred from that that sort of situation. I'm really interested to know, we've just got a, a, about a minute or so before we need to go to commercial break, but in your book is How to Raise Successful People. And I just wonder how you, how you define success. Well, the number one way that I define success, and I'll make it as quick as possible, is that you feel empowered to follow your dreams. 
and you feel supported to follow your dreams. And I can elaborate on that after our um, break, but it's that is the key to happiness. When you feel empowered and happy about your relationships that support you doing whatever it is your dreams are. Excellent. I love that. It's a lovely way to go into commercial break now. And after the commercial break, we'll we'll find out um, a little bit more about um, maybe how uh, we'll find a bit more about that, but how kind of modern parenting can be counterproductive for for children and start to learn, you know, some of the kind of ideas and thoughts that have really helped um, helped contribute to the success of Esther's students and also her her daughters out in the world um, through um, some of the values and principles that Esther has, uh, has held. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. Do please do join us after the. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Esther Wojcicki. I'm loving this conversation about uh, with Esther and feeling very inspired by it. And we were talking just before the break about um, about success. And Esther described success as feeling empowered and supported uh, to follow your dreams. 
And uh, I just think that's a lovely, lovely kind of um, phrase there to hold as a parent and as an educator uh, to um, to ensure you're, you're helping your children become empowered and, and helping to support them with what, what they want to do. Um, so you might have some more uh, through the conversation you want to share around that, but I'm just interested to to move on from that, just to see, you know, what are you seeing in modern parenting that might might be counterproductive to that? So I think one of the main thing I see in modern parenting that is counterproductive is that parents are in the, they're trying to do their best. Let's, I don't want to fault parents because they they really want their children to be the best they can be, but in doing so, they are very controlling. And so they're always <clears throat> telling their children, you know, this is probably the better way to do it. But it's not just, you know, do you have a choice? It's like, this is the way you're going to do it. Because I've already been through this. And I know that the other ways don't work. And so the controlling aspect of it pretty much gets rid of the child's ability to think independently and to feel any agency or any freedom. And so if you just think about the definition of success, where you're empowered to follow your dreams, it sort of cuts into that. So little kids have, you know, somewhat crazy dreams, you know, like um, <clears throat> could be about sports, could be about getting a toy, could be about playing with a friend, could be about whatever. But if we're always in such control that the children don't even know that they have dreams, then we have to ask ourselves, you know, how is that empowering our children? And I think we have a whole generation of kids today who feel completely not empowered, um, disempowered. In fact, we have a, a generation of kids where the majority of them are depressed. And depression comes from a situation where you feel like you are out of control, where other people or other factors are in control and you have no control. And so you tend to be a first angry and then upset and then depressed. So um, perhaps parents should be give kids options. That's where my trick model comes from. Um, you want to trust them and give them some respect for some of those ideas that they have. You want to give them some independence, collaborate with them on all sorts of things, and then treat them with kindness when they make a mistake. And because there's lots of mistakes, we all make mistakes. And I mean, I think the reason a lot of people are afraid to make mistakes is because of the consequences of making those mistakes. So if we can be treated with kindness, as a result of a mistake, whether it's, you know, breaking a glass or making a huge mess in the kitchen or, you know, doing something with your friend that, or a child that, you know, children always make a mess, I'm sorry to say. Mm -hmm. um, you just want to make it clear to kids it's okay to be yourself and okay to take a risk. And most kids are afraid to take a risk. They're afraid of what other people are going to say. And then they're hemmed hemmed in and they they don't know they don't they can't see a path out yeah and then is, is some of this does some of this behavior come from you know our upbringing as parents the way you know our parents brought us up and we kind of start to think that's the way that we should be um does it, that bear relationship to it i mean you yeah. obviously 
A lot of it's the you parent instinctively the way you were parented. Mm-hmm. You have to. It has to be on a conscious level. You have to be thinking about how do I want to parent differently. The big difference today from our parents is that today we have many more means of controlling our kids. You know that thing on your phone called Find My Phone. Well. You can also have find my child, and so your freedom as a child is is controlled. Um, a lot of people find their child, and then also in the school situation, those grades in many schools are sent home after the teacher does the test, and re, you know they can correct tests really quickly, and they're sent home right away. And sometimes they get home even before the child gets home. And, you know, so your privacy is invaded. You get home and your parent can say, oh, my God, you know, I I see that you got only 30% on the math today. Well, I thought you were studying last night. And, you know, sometimes kids like to keep those things private, you know. They don't have a chance to do that. So there's there's a lot more ways to control your child. And, a, and there's a culture out today, which basically is, you know, every day should be done, should be programmed in such a way that it can be um, useful or some way educational for the child. And so Monday can be this lesson, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever, all different lessons. Maybe the kid doesn't want to take any lessons. Maybe they want to actually just be at home and play with their friends. That doesn't seem to be, you know, in the options. Those are, parents are like, they should be learning, you know, a different language, or they should be doing, taking gymnastics, or they should be doing, you know, chess lessons, or, I mean, if the child wants to do that, that's one thing, but, you know, to be forced into that situation, or to force into taking piano lessons when you have, like, literally no interest in the piano, mm-hmm. um, that's that's not a good way to go for kids. So what, I think... So what do, what do you think the balance is then between, you know, allowing almost like allowing the child to sort of self-regulate what they do versus as a parent wishing to sort of manage and protect them? Well, what you want to do is you want to, it's kind of like a smorgasbord of opportunity for the child. You know, the, oh, you can play soccer or tennis, you can swimming, biking, you know, just on a sports level or, you know, you can do arts and crafts today or some of the things. So you're, it's not like you're ignoring the child. It's like you're offering these opportunities. And there's a big difference between telling them they have to do it and giving them an opportunity to make a choice. And it's in that opportunity to make a choice that the empowerment comes. And that's why I say collaborate, part of the trick model. You want to collaborate with your child and say, you know, here's some things that you might be interested in doing. What would you like to do? And why don't you make some choices? And it's just, it's very small. That's why part of the, the title of the book is Simple Lessons for Radical Results. It's simple. It's just giving children options and letting them decide. And that's one of the things that I do in the classroom as a teacher. You know, you have a lot of choices to get to this goal. You know, I'm a journalism teacher, an English teacher. You know, what are some of the books that you want to read? Here are some of the choices out there. Why don't you pick the book you want to read? And then 
you can talk about it with your group. You pick a group of people in the class, two or three other friends, and you can talk about it with your friends. And then you can present to the class about, like, what are some of the things you learned while you were reading the book? And, you know, what are things that other people might find interesting? So, you know, typically as a teacher, um, the curriculum is defined and you're told exactly what to teach all the time. And that gives neither the child nor the teacher an option of, like, what is what are some of the things you are interested in and that you might like to do? Um, so that's that's why I say it's simple lessons, because in having these options, in having these opportunities to follow some of your ideas, you learn that there are a lot of choices in life, and your choice might not be the same as your friend's choice, but it's just as good, and you can talk about it. It makes life interesting. We all do the same thing. It's boring. <laughs> and, is, and is it better to to let them make mistakes sometimes? Um, um, yes, it is better. That's what school should be all about because nobody learns to do it right the first time. School should be about making mistakes and not being penalized for those mistakes. You know, you don't learn to write perfectly by doing it right. You don't get, you know, you're not born with a pen in your hand and then you can grow up and write or reading. We all learn through making mistakes and the mistakes become more sophisticated as you get older. Um, but, you know, given that opportunity to revise, iteration is really important and giving people, you know, the the sense that taking a risk is okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened. That's what happens in my classes. That's what happens actually Palo Alto Unified School District is embracing this philosophy. And um, a lot of the teachers are doing this and they're finding it a much more effective and happier way to teach. And um, I just, I would say that all teachers should try it. They'll find that it's much more exciting for the kids. Um, the teachers will also be happier. But I, you have to remember that the a lot of the curriculum design is coming from the top down. So sometimes teachers are in a situation where they might want to do this, but they're trapped. Yeah. Requirements of the system. And so, you know, law people involved in our... Um, making decisions, our leaders, the, the lawmakers, um, they might want to rethink and put into place an opportunity for teachers and students to have some control in the classroom. That's why I, I recommend, actually, in my talks in my book, uh, what I call 20% time. And then the 20% time is that time in which students have control over what they might want to be reading or doing or um, maybe they want to make apps or maybe they want to study more about global warming or whatever they want to do they could do that in the 20% time and then share that with the rest of the class makes a huge difference just a little bit of time it makes it gives you that sense of oh my god I can do what I dream about that's really, I think that's really, really important, and uh, I see that with uh, within my own children, and particularly my youngest one, who, who has all sorts of things that he gets very excited about and loves to spend time on, and you know, allowing some flexibility in the curriculum for some of that would be great. How, I mean, how do you, 
what do you advise um, on, for parents who are maybe you know, their, their kids aren't feeling inspired to study or, you know, they're having fights over bedtimes? You know, I can you obviously you've got, you've got some huge, some hugely successful daughters. Can you can you give some confidence that actually uh, there, there is um, what's the word, you know, that that passes and uh, and the end end uh, result um, may not be necessarily um, spoiled by these uh, these glitches in um, in interest and well the reason that kids don't want to study for the most part is because they don't see it relevant to the real world yeah and um, they don't see any reason why education doesn't answer the question of why and it should so if they can understand the why uh, and the answer should not be, I'm telling you to do this, and the reason you have to do this is you're having a test on Friday. That is not a good answer, because what that does is it it just, kids do it, but then they get discouraged, and then they don't want to do any. They don't want, they don't like school. So I think it's important to explain why you want to learn these different things, and Maybe it takes time to do it, but it's worth the time to explain it. And if a child is not inspired by school, I'm telling you, they're all born curious. We just educate that curiosity out of them. So if we can somehow stop being so controlling and allow them to explore and use their curiosity, they will want to go to school. And uh, that's one of the main things um, that I think can can happen. And your second question um, that tied into this, I forgot what you. Well, I think I, I think I was giving some. Uh, there was that that the sort of study study piece. Um, I was also asking on things like uh, my, my son, for example. We have kind of he's thirteen, and we we have meltdowns over bedtimes, and I'm almost tempted to let him choose when he goes and. Uh, and uh, deal, you know, providing he's done his, done his homework to, to avoid that happening. And I just wonder if you've got any sort of, any tips and thoughts for, for parents who, you know, they're concerned, they want the children to get to bed in good time, so they're fresh for school, but they're, 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 they're finding it, um, it, it not easy. Um, how would you approach that? Yeah, one of the problems that happens. First of all, kids get a burst of energy at about 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. And then they want to sleep in. So research has shown that the average teenager should, their, their sleep cycles are different and that when they adjust the time that school starts from like 7.30 or 8 in the morning to 8.30 or 9 in the morning, more learning takes place. And, but most schools are still stuck in that you're going to school at 8 o'clock and then the parents are doing what you're doing. That's like, you have to get the right number of hours of sleep. You have to go to sleep on time. And the system, it would be great if the system would be a little bit more cooperative. Mm-hmm. But one thing that you can do with your son is to ask, to explain, show him why he needs to go to school on time. There's a lot of data out there that goes not to school, to, to sleep on time. A lot of data out there showing how many hours kids need for their brain development. 
So I would show him the research and say, you know, you need to have this for your health. That's how you're, you're going to be healthy. You're going to have a better life. And so how do you personally want to accomplish this? Why don't you take charge of your own sleep patterns and see how you are going to be able to, you know, get, I don't know what the hours, 10 hours sleep for a teenager, I think it is. And um, so you have to go to bed at a certain hour in order to get the requisite number of hours of sleep. So how do you propose to do that? And um, I would put it in his his, uh, court and let him come up with some solutions um, and, and, you know, collaborate on this. I would try that. Yeah, that's 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 great advice. Great advice, and uh, I will um, I will be having those conversations over the weekend because um, we're we're not we're not quite doing it right with him, and uh, I know that um, we need to to make that change. And I think uh, I think there's an opportunity for collaboration here to uh, to work through this. Yeah, well, my daughters they they always did their self-regulated their bedtimes because. They knew how much they knew the facts, and so there was a lot of self-regulation, and that's what you want. And especially because they're going to go away to college, and you aren't going to be there, and they need to know how to take care of their bodies. And so yeah. you want to start that when they're teenagers. Great, great, great advice. Thank you very much for that. And uh, we're going to go to commercial break now. Um, we're going to have a, you know, there might be parents out there probably worry when their children say, "I want to, you know, I want to be a." A YouTuber, or want to do something which um, you know isn't isn't a you know it wasn't a typical job role when um, you were maybe uh, you know younger and you were looking for work opportunities, or they want to take time out or things like that. So I'm interested to have a chat about career choices, and we can talk a little bit more about collaborative parenting and some of the the values that really helped. Uh, um, Esther um, we, and her her family as they sort of grew up and developed and uh, we'll have some more top tips coming up as well. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You 
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Esther Rajitsky, and we're talking about um, about raising successful people. And, uh, you know, one of the things I can't help but uh, but notice and we've we've not talked greatly about about them but obviously you know you have um you have a daughter who's the ceo of youtube which is just in- incredible and uh Anne's the founder of 23 and me and you you have a full bright scholar in janet and um i know you know having um, read your, read your book and and being i mean familiar with this concept of grit that's something that you see as being very important i'm just really interested if you could maybe share um, what grit is and how you are able to maybe instill uh, this these principles around grit with with your daughters because I'm sure you know they must have uh, that in spades to have been able to go on and achieve what they've achieved. Yes, well, thank you for asking that question. I think it is a really important question, not just for my daughters, but I think it's an important question for all parents. They want their children to have grit, and I. One of the reasons kids have grit and one of the reasons they stick to things is because they believe in themselves and they believe that they can accomplish whatever it is that they've set their mind to doing. And how do they get this mindset? Well, they get this because you, the parent, trust them and believe in them. And so you say you're... It's your actions that speak louder than your words. So you trust them to do a lot of things on their own. And if they mess up somehow, then you treat them with kindness. It's like, okay, well, that was, you know, didn't work out, but there's no problem. You know, why don't we just try it again? And so that is actually the philosophy that I have in my class with teaching writing. So many people are afraid to write. And the reason they're afraid to write because they're afraid to make a mistake. And you're afraid to make a mistake. And so you, you, there's something called writer's block. And writer's block is really just a fear of making mistakes. And so you can't do anything. So how do I get around that in a class? Well, I just say you don't get a grade until you get it right. So you keep revising until you get it right. And when you get it right, then it's ready for an A or ready for publication, whatever it is that we're doing. And it's the same thing in at home. It's like you want to build something. I don't care. In today's world, people are building computers. You want to build a computer? Oh, my God, you put this in the wrong place or, you know, it doesn't work and you've tried really hard. Okay, let's find out what other piece you need or what other part you need in order to make this successful. And so you support them, even though they might have done it wrong the first time. Um, you want to allow them to pursue whatever it is they're interested in and that is their that's the grit so um and they i have some kids that i'm not kidding i just talked to them last night they're taking four ap classes ap advanced placement classes i said oh my god why would you take four ap classes this kid it wasn't his parents it's he himself he said he's exploring he is trying to understand what he likes and what he doesn't like. And so he's taking all these classes. And he says to himself, 
it's okay if I don't get an A in this class or a five on the test or a four on the test. I'm still going to do it. I was really impressed with this this young man. It's wonderful to see when that, that's coming out of them, isn't it? It's, it's uh, so to see that. And, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to be surrounded with there's a lot of kids in Palo Alto, and I'm happy to be a teacher for so many of them. And, and it's also great to be able to encourage them to pursue whatever it is that they want to pursue. As, you know, maybe one of them wants to be a YouTube star. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being a YouTube star? I, you know, I, you can imagine what um, the parents must think. Oh, I can imagine. I have a son who wants to do that. And, uh, I don't know how serious he is, but um, I, it, it actually, you know, I, I, in me, I feel some, I feel some resistance to that sort of building up, and then, a, then it, on the other side, a bit thinking actually, you know, I need to support my son in his dreams, and maybe he needs to learn a bit more about this. And it, it's, um, it's an interesting role as a parent. You you want to support whatever it is they're doing, and I mean I can just think of my a famous student James Franco, he's a fantastic actor, he's actually a Renaissance man. He's so talented, and when he was a in the ninth and tenth grade, eleventh grade, he was in my classes at that time. He thought he was going to be a mathematician. And his parents thought this was great, right? His father was a mathematician, and he actually worked at NASA. And then in the 12th grade, he decided that, oh, I don't want to be a mathematician. I want to be an actor. Mm. Can you imagine how excited his parents might have been about that? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you can see he succeeded beyond anyone's wildest dreams. And um, he wrote the introduction to my first book, which is Moonshots in Education, and he he did in that introduction he said he was grateful for somebody that believed in his dreams believed that he could accomplish his dreams and that's that's what i think all parents can offer you know support for believing in your dreams and you know you might fail and then okay well then you need to be treated with kindness there is no perfect way to succeed in life I was just wondering from our conversation when we, we talked about careers, whether whether people you know really understood understand what that principle is. I, I think cause we didn't actually say it explicitly, and I'm I'm thinking you know in terms of grit, that's very much about you know being crystal clear about your goals or what what interests you, and then having that um, that resilience and tenacity to really really go for it. That's what I'm 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 thinking it means. Is that what it means to you, Esther? That's exactly what it means to me. So one of my daughter's close friends was very interested in ants. I am not kidding. As a child, she was following ants everywhere. And she's now a scientist, and she studies insects. Wow. That is really, you know, you want to allow your child to blossom in the way they want to blossom. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, and it, and it's, um, it's catching that as well, isn't it? Catching that interest and, uh, and, and supporting it. That's uh, right. It's really important. The child that is, is, doesn't like school has had too much pressure on them to conform to whatever it was that the school wants or the parents want. So you must give your kids some opportunity to be themselves, to pursue whatever it is they want to pursue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be a YouTube star. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> well, there are, there are, there are, well, there are YouTube stars out there, and... Um... 
It's it's a bit like you know somebody wanted to go into sport, wanting to be a footballer, or when maybe you're thinking you'd you prefer them to become a doctor or something like that. But actually, um, you know they're gonna they're gonna resent that for um, of their parents if they held them back and they didn't take those opportunities. Um, I think so. I was, it was as you were saying. I remember in your book you were describing one of your daughters who kind of I think did she did she take a little time out or child going to ch- childcare or something like that as a as a sort of a Stop gap, and you supported that. Was that correct? Right, right. And when she graduated, she went, you know, graduated from college, four years of expensive college, right? She went to Yale. And and then she comes home, and she's like, I want to be a babysitter. (laughs) Like, (laughs) well, maybe you could have done that before you spent all this money going to college, majoring in molecular biology or molecular (laughs) biophysics or whatever. Um, But I said, okay, well, as long as you're doing something you're happy doing, let's see how long this lasts. And um, I mean, she did it for a few months. And and I thought, oh, is this ever going to end? You know, she's still going to be one of it to be a babysitter. I mean, she was the most popular babysitter around, I can tell you. And did 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 that period of I I don't know a lot of uh, I'm being in the, here in the UK. I don't know a lot about Twenty Three and Me. Did she did she um, did that little you know period in her life um, with having studied um, macrobiology or whatever she she studied um, did that um, then become what she learned from that become a you know part of the jigsaw that's enabled her to create what she's gone on and created is was it, if you could see the bigger picture was that period important I think it was really important it gave her an opportunity to see the bigger picture um, so she was she she measured in biology. She um, had biophysics as well. And then um, she, she was very interested in, in science. She was thinking she might want to be a doctor. She wasn't quite sure what she wanted to be. And this time out where she was babysitting gave her an opportunity to sort of like think about what she wanted to do in life. And, you know, she, she had taken the MCAT exams. Those are the medical exams. And she was thinking about that, but then she thought, well, no, I'm really more interested in why, as opposed to like just delivering um, medical care that is already standardized. I'm interested in, you know, understanding more about the profession. I think having that time out makes a big difference. And some people take don't take a time out, and then they just leap into something and not sure that they really like it, and then they turn out well, I really don't like this, and and now here I am, I'm 35 years old, and I've been doing things that I don't really like. I wish I would have done something different when I was 25. Um, I think at 25, you have this opportunity to try a lot of different things, and you don't have all these encumbrances. Normally, you're not married, and you don't have kids. So at 35, your life is very different, and so it's hard to make change at that point. So you want to explore when you're young because you have that opportunity and you have that um, that ability, hopefully that ability to do that. So parents should ex- they should support this time of exploration because they won't happen again. 
Excellent. Well, I'm, 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 I've absolutely loved this conversation and I'm, I'm feeling a little sad that it's coming to an end. So uh, we need to kind of wrap up now. Um, I've taken a lot from this this call and I'm sure a lot of people have. And, you know, and studying these these values of trust and respect and allowing independence, collaboration and kindness, um, I think are really, really important in today's world. And they've clearly had a huge impact on on your family and and all your students so you know thank you for being on the show i, I just wonder before we go if you've any final you know a final message that you'd like to leave us with well i think the final message is that kindness kindness is so important in the world the person who is kind feels so much better about themselves and the recipient of your kindness it makes a huge difference in their lives and so if we can all just think about that and have kindness sort of help us get through the day it will make a huge difference for everybody in the world oh, i couldn't couldn't agree more it's uh it's our number one family value and it, it is uh it is so important it's sometimes hard to, to always live up to um but it's a wonderful kind of guiding light and you've been a really amazing guiding light on this um this subject of raising successful people so you know thank you esther i've, I've really enjoyed the conversation today well, thank you so much for in having me, and I wish everybody all the best in life and hopefully the trick model in all areas of their life. Fantastic. So for anybody who, you know, if you'd love to um, read more, I'd recommend that you go and buy How to Raise Successful People. Um, you can um, access that from your local booksellers or Amazon.com, do.co.uk, um, where you are. Um, you can... Um, so I recommend that you order that. And you can also find out more by going to raisesuccessfulpeople.com. There's a website there. And if um, you want to send me any feedback, I can send that across to Esther. Uh, I can get messages across to her as well. So uh, do do that. On next week's show, we have Maria Burke. Um, Maria has a business called Let's Get Healthy. And uh, she's a fascinating lady. I had a huge CEO sort of corporate role and creating an amazing business around uh, the area of sort of uh, uh, of um, uh, health and well-being at work and, uh, and engagement. And you know, if you listen to this show, that engagement is something I'm very passionate about. So she's got some really interesting, helpful thoughts for anybody in organizations around um, engagement in this new world because, um, you know, people are all u- utilizing Twitter and social media and they're, they're operating today in warehouses with headsets on and they're not communicating in the way that they, they would. And so there's different things that we've got to do in terms of our strategies to really uh, build engagement in today's world so do join us for that and once again a huge thank you to esther and i look forward to speaking to you all next week we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.